Hey, hey, it's Dusty. Welcome to Queer Street. It's that time of the week again. We are going to talk about the street, the streetwalker. Oh my God, no, scandalous. We're going to talk about the sleepwalker, the streetwalker. That must be like Fear Street after dark or like Fear Street, the college years. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the sleepwalker. Oh my goodness. Um, which is book six in the series. Now, let me tell you, I am excited to talk about this because sleepwalking is creepy AF. Let me tell you, my son Jackson, my middle son, used to sleepwalk when he was younger. And there is nothing scarier than waking up at two o'clock in the damn morning to your little kid mouth breathing asleep two inches from your face. Your soul will leave your body so damn fast. I'm telling you. So I am excited to talk about this one. So let's get into it. Um, it was published on May 2nd, 1990. So we're halfway through the year. We're in the summer, which is perfect because this book takes place right at the beginning of the summer. Oops, there's my phone. Turn it on silent. Sorry. And it comes in at 164 pages. So just a little bit shorter than what we've been doing. Um, so let's go ahead and read the back. Let's, let's just dive right in, y'all. Let's just dive right in. It says, one week after she starts her summer job on Fear Street with old Mrs. Cotler, Myra Barnes begins to sleepwalk. How terrifying to wake up outdoors in the middle of the night and not know where she is. Myra becomes even more terrified when she discovers Mrs. Cotler may be a witch. Is the old woman casting a spell on Myra to make her sleepwalk? To add to Myra's horror, she is being followed by a menacing stranger who seems to recognize her. But she's never seen him in her life. Myra's sleepwalking is leading her into more and more peril, and she soon realizes that she must take action. She must find out what is happening to her, or she may never leave Fear Street alive. <gasps> oh, y'all, if that don't grab you by the nuts, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And on the front, the tagline is, she isn't safe, even in her dreams. And here's where we're going to cue the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, uh, movies, music. Oh, I'm sorry, I got distracted because... I love me some Freddy Krueger. The Nightmare on Elm Street is probably my favorite scary movie series. Um, it has nothing to do with this. There are no um, uh, finger knives in this book. But, I mean, sleepwalking, that, that totally has to do, especially Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Um, or is it 4? I don't know. But anywho, um, it is so good. And like y'all, this cover is by Gabriel. And I did look up his last name. It's Picard. I'm going to say Picard. It's P-I-C-A-R-T. I don't know how the hell you pronounce it. So I'm sorry, Gabriel. He goes by Gabriel mostly in the thing. So we'll just refer to him as that. But this is a great cover. Once again, we've got this bluish, foggy, creepy cover. You've got some houses in the background. And then right smack dab in the middle is what is clearly supposed to be Myra in her long sleep shirt kind of like in a trance sleepwalking towards you. It is a creepy ass cover. I'm telling you, most of the covers are good, but this one actually is pretty creepy. So I'm excited about this one. I This is this is a good cover. So let's get right into it. So we start with a prologue and this is about, um, this prologue, again, he uh, Stein is into the prologue thing. We've had a couple of them already. And here we have Myra and she's sleepwalking. She wakes up and she's sleepwalking. She's out in front of her house. Cut to one week earlier. She is in there. She's got a 10-year-old sister, Kim, and she's getting ready for her first day at work with um, old Mrs. Cotler. Now, she is surprised she got this job. Her friend, Stephanie, who happens to be the sister of her ex-boyfriend. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh-huh. There's some tea there. But she's surprised she got there 
this because Miss um, Cutler is like a crotchety old bitch, apparently. And Myra's mom is a nurse. And apparently Miss Cutler was in the hospital a little while ago, hence why she needs a little bit of help now. And she did not take kindly to Myra's mom. So she's surprised that she got this job, considering that when she was in the hospital, Myra's mom and her, mm -mm, they did not get along at all. But, you know, she's grateful for a job. And as her mom says, she's lucky to get it. This job is paying a whopping $5 an hour, y'all. $5 an hour. And you know what? I forgot to do this. So I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to look up $5 in 1990 versus now. I'm going to look this up the inflation rate. It's $10. So it's still not much. $10 an hour. But $5 an hour, and all she has to do is go and keep this old woman company, do a little bit of light cleaning, read to her, kind of, you know, water the plants, help take care of her cat. Pretty easy, right? You know, she can totes do that. But of course, Miss Cotler lives on Beer Street. I mean, where the hell else would she live? So then she also has a black cat. Keep that in mind because, you know, we're talking about some witches. She's got a black cat named Hazel, okay? And her first day there, the cat swipes at her and breaks her brand new bead necklace from her new boyfriend, Walker, and she's upset. And Miss Miss Cotler says, oh, she can fix it, you know. So the first thing she knows when she gets here is like any old person's house. It's, you know, got all these knickknacks, paddywhacks, you know, all kinds of things around. And, you know, it's just an old person's house. So they go around, you know, they read, they eat lunch. She's having a good old time. And they go around um, the lake on a walk, you know, because, of course, you know, we're near the Fear Street Woods. So we're near the lake where we, you know, we traveled there during the overnight a couple episodes ago. And she finds out that Miss Cutler um, had a son, Vincent, who drowned there three um, when he was three years old. So that's kind of sad, y'all. So we're going to feel for her. You know, that feels, you know, kind of bad. So um, it's kind of sad. So, you know, you're feeling for Mrs. Cutler, but you're not going to feel for her too much longer because she could also be a super evil witch. You know, we just don't know. We don't know. So cut back to Mrs. Cutler's house. She's going down for her nap, as old people will do. And she forgets her sweater. So, um, of course, it's part of her job. Myra runs upstairs to get her sweater for her. And she's looking for it in the drawers because, um, as we'll get to this, Myra is a Snoopy bitch. And she sees these weird black candles. Um, that's weird. But she thinks nothing of it, finds the sweater, and goes about her business. Now, on her way home from work that day, and I wrote this down because I had to talk about it, talk about dating this, she is listening to some music, a tape, nonetheless, on her Walkman. <laughs> oh, I love it, love it, love it. For all of you youngsters out there, this is the predecessor to the CD Walkman, which is also the predecessor to your, you know, basically your phone, your anything now. Oh, y'all, I had a Walkman, and uh, that is so crazy. I mean, I can remember, you know, and it was just so fabulous. And then the CD Walkman came out and you thought you were cool because you had the CD Walkman. But really, that was some shitty technology because that sucker skipped more than, you know, those little girls jump roping at the in Nightmare on Elm Street singing that Freddy's Coming for You song. I mean, you couldn't run with it. You couldn't do nothing with it because it would skip all the time. Anywho, though, Myra's got a Walkman because she's cutting edge, even though she's got a single parent. And they're a little 
strapped for cash, which is why she has a summer job, but she's got a Walkman. She's walking home and um, she comes across her ex-boyfriend, Link. Now, I don't know this name, Link. Y'all, I don't know. I feel like he is a little bit of a country club, white, bougie guy. I don't know. The name Link. I just, I can't, I can't get with that, y'all. Link, it makes me think of like a sausage link or something. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, he wants to talk to her and straighten things out. He's not happy with the way they left things after their breakup, but she's all like, Link, we're done here. I am with Walker now. You have to get over me. Okay. So he's all upset about that because he wants to chat with her, but she's all like, whatevs. Next day, she is at Mrs. Cotler's again. The doorbell rings. She goes to answer it. And it's the neighbor, Mr. Kleeg. He is upset because all of the peaches on Mrs. Cotler's tree are falling onto his property and he threatens to cut it down if she doesn't take care of this shit. So it's basically just two, two old people bitching about, you know, property and trees and stuff. And I think I saw an episode similar to this on Golden Girls where the tree on the neighbor's yard fell onto the lanai. Yeah. If you know, you know. Anyway, Mrs. Cotler basically sends him away and says, you need to calm down. It's hot. You're going to have an accident. Basically, I think her nice way of saying, you're going to have a stroke, bitch, if you don't calm down. It's just a damn peach tree. If I were him, I mean, if peaches were falling into my yard, I think, you know, provided they weren't all nasty with worms or something in it, I would, you know, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Get you some free peaches and be happy with it. But whatever, Mr. Klee doesn't want to do that. So Mrs. Uh, Collar sends him on his way. And she's like, you know, something's going to happen to him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So she, as she's reading this story to Mrs. Cotler, she's all like, I'm going to send a mental note. I'm going to send a mental message to Walker because Walker apparently is into the occult and all this crazy hippy dippy, you know, crystals and things. So she's like, I'm going to send him as, can you hear me thinking about you? Because she's all like, you know, newfound love and all. I mean, what else there's there to do in Shady Side in the summer other than not get murdered and fall in love? So um, Mrs. C goes to nap again and she leaves her cane downstairs and it's time for Myra to leave, but she doesn't want the old woman to fall down the stairs and die. So it doesn't say that, but again, you know, I'm inferencing. I teach inferencing to my third graders. I'm inferencing that she does not want Mrs. Walker to fall and break her neck. Basically what Miss Miss Walker, my goodness, Walker's her boyfriend, Miss Cotler. Basically what Miss Cotler needs is she needs one of them um, chair things that goes up the side of the staircase. You know what I'm talking about? If you've seen the Gremlins, you know. Oh, ever since that movie, I have, I kid you not, I shit you not, I want to ride on one of them so bad. I would kill to ride on one of those chairs that goes up the, the stairs. Even though it moves so fucking slow, I could probably walk up the stairs faster. I've always wanted to ever since the Gremlins, except for the part where it shoots the old woman and Gremlins out this, you know, the window and she dies. That wouldn't be so cool. But anywho, back to the story. So Myra goes up there to take her their cane and she sees Miss Cotler on the bed in kind of like a trance. And she's all like, um, that's some crazy shit. So here you can already tell she's thinking this bitch is a witch. This is a witchy bitch. I don't know what the hell's going on, but you know, she's making that $5. She's getting that coin. So she puts it behind her. She goes home and calls her BFF Donna and she's all like, yo, Donna, I think Miss Collar is a witch, and let me tell you why. Okay, so they chat about that, and then Link's sister, okay, they talk about Link's sister, 
Stephanie, and I tell you, this, I wrote a note here because it says she's all into the occult and shit too, just like Link is. And it said before she got into sex, y'all, I'm pretty sure this is the first time we have had the actual sex word in Fear Street. It's the 90s. So apparently Stephanie was into the occult, but now apparently she's a whore. Maybe she might still be into the occult, but apparently she's definitely a whore. So anyway, mm -hmm, I'm telling you that. I am telling you that. So, but they remember that Stephanie telling them that in a book she read about the occult, a witch needs something personal to cast a spell. Oh my God. So Myra immediately thinks of the beads that uh, Miss Coulter, Miss Coulter, I keep thinking Coulter, you know, I don't know why. Ann Coulter, I don't watch the politics, but she's like a politicky person like CNN or some shit. Anyway, so she thinks back to those beads that Mrs. Cotler kept that she was going to restring for. She's like, oh my God. So now Myra is immediately thinking, not only is Mrs. Cotler a witch, but she has cast a spell on her. Something, she's doing some freaky shit with her. She does not want any of it. But Donna's all like, yo, bitch, this is happening. You're just going to have to deal with it, okay? So she start, they start to talk about Stephanie and Link and how that's so weird that they're so close, yada, yada, yada. Next day comes, she's on her way to go to, um, to work and she sees an ambulance. She gets very concerned that Mrs. Cotler is dead. You know, that maybe she fell down the stairs. Maybe she didn't realize where her cane was. But she gets there. Turns out, y'all, it's Mr. Klieg. He fell and broke his hip. And Mrs. C reminded her that what she said, you know, that he was going to have an accident if he didn't calm down. <gasps> oh, y'all. So, you know, Myra's thinking this witch has caused him to fall and break his hip. Okay. Well, her new boyfriend, Walker, is back from out of town. She goes and meets him. He's a big old dork. He also, you know, like I told you, is into kind of like, you know, some supernatural kind of shit. But he also loves card tricks. I know. I know. I, 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 I don't have anything else to say about that. He likes card tricks. And the fool is constantly throughout this book trying to do card tricks. And just just stop, Walker. Just no, no, no. I don't want to know if this is my card. I don't give a shit if this is my card you're holding up. I don't care if you're pulling out a card from behind my ear or whatever the hell you've got to do. But anyway, he's acting on, they go on a pizza date. And then this is the first night that she has her dream. She goes home. She has this dream. She's on the shore of a lake and she walks out onto the water like she's Jesus, you know, and as she's walking like she's Jesus, she feels like she's being watched. But then she wakes up and turns out she was sleepwalking and she's out in front of her house. And this is ties right back into, um, where the prologue is. This is where the prologue picks up. So next day she wakes up, she goes to Mrs. Cotler. She's like, Hey, old lady Cotler. She doesn't say that because she's polite, even though she's a Snoopy bitch. We'll get back to that. Remember? Um, she asked her, you know, what do you know about sleepwalking? Do you notice anything about sleepwalking? And Miss Cotler says, Oh, it's a very mysterious thing. It's very, very mysterious. And so she's thinking, well, that's weird, you know? So as she leaves that day for work, She's walking down Fair Street and this man she refers to as Big Neck, because I guess he's literally, you know, got a big neck. I mean, she's not that imaginative with her nicknames, but he's got a big neck. He seems to recognize her and he calls to her. Well, she gets freaked out because, I mean, it's the 90s and she knows stranger danger. She ain't talking to no damn strangers. So she runs and he kind of goes to follow her, but she loses him. 
But she's like, that was super weird. He looked mean. He looked angry. She didn't know what's going to happen. So she wants nothing to do with Big Nick. Okay. So she goes to the mall because she has to do some errand for her mom or something, you know. And there she sees Walker talking to none other than Suki Thomas. Yes, the Suki Thomas from the overnight. You know, the chick with the spiky platinum hair, the one that sleeps around, the punk. Well, they're holding hands. And as she walks up, they drop hands and she confronts him. He's like, oh, no, we just met here for pizza. You know, we met here and then we decided to have pizza and talk. And this bitch believes him. <sighs> Whatever. Come on, Myra. Read the room, bitch. Anyway, so she tells him about Big Neck and she's sitting there chatting with, you know, with her boyfriend and this other chick that he was just, you know, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes now, talking to. Ugh. Anyway, she believes him. She goes to talk to her mom about the sleepwalking. It's bothering her. She can't stop thinking about it. Her mom offers for her to go see a quote unquote shrink. I'm doing the air um, finger quotes again. Shrink because it's the 90s. That's what we're going to say. And she's not too keen on the idea, but her mom's like, you know, I'm a nurse. I can, I have, I got a hookup. I can get you in. And she's all like, hmm, maybe, maybe we'll see. We'll see. So then Stephanie comes over that night and she wants to talk about Link. She's like, you shouldn't have heard him. He's really upset. Yada, yada, yada. You shouldn't have done that. Okay. So I guess it kind of never really talks about if Stephanie and Myra were friends. I get the kind of vibe they were, but Stephanie's, you know, kind of comes, you know, in, you know, in place of her brother as all like, look, bitch, you overstepped. You shouldn't have done that. You should talk to him. But when she leaves, she steals a scarf from Myra and Myra's upset about this, but you know what you're going to do. Sometimes people steal your cigars, I guess that night she has another dream this time. Once again, like Jesus, because apparently I don't know. Myra's got a Jesus complex. She's walking out on a lake. It's a sunny day. And she has that feeling of being watched. Well, when she wakes up y'all bitches in the middle of the woods, standing in some mud, walks out, finds her way to the street. You know where she's at? You know where she's at? Say it with me. Fear Street. She's in Fear Street. Lucky for her, a cop drives by, sees her, picks her up, takes her home. And then she talks to her mom. She's like, I need to go see a shrink because this shit is out of hand. I can't handle this no more. And her mom agrees with her. Okay, next day she goes um, She goes to work, knocks on the door. Miss, Miss Kotler is not answering. So she walks on in, you know, because A, she's a nosy bitch. And B, she, you know, she works there. It's okay. She hears the shower. She just goes up there and she notices, well, while she's checking, there's a black candle all burned down on the dresser right next to her beads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what kind of creepy, crazy spell is this old witch doing? We don't know, but Myra's freaked the fuck out. So on the way home that, that afternoon, she meets Link again because I guess he's stalking her. And he offers to drive her home, says, hey, come on, we, let's just be friends. Let's just talk. So she's like, okay, we'll talk. And then she kind of starts to feel, you know, like, oh, he's so nice. And she's like, no. You know, she's basically got like a little like angel Myra on one shoulder, devil Myra on the other shoulder. You know, like, oh, don't you miss miss um, Link? And then the angel, angel one is saying, no, you're with Walker, Link, Walker, Link, Walker. So she's like, just drop me off at home. I can't do this. And then as she gets home, she sees her friend Donna sitting there, you know, homegirls waiting for her. And she's all like, look, some guy named Cal came to see you. And as she describes Cal, 
Myra puts two and two together. It's Big Neck. So Myra's freaked the hell out again because why is Big Neck no coming looking for her? How did he get her address? Turns out, Donna says, he got it from Miss Cotler. Mm-hmm. So how are those two connected? We don't know, but Myra thinks there's a connection there. So now we're on the weekend. Her mom has suggested that, you know, they get away for the weekend, clear her mind. So she, Myra, her little sister Kim, and her best friend Donna have gone down to the lake. Myra can't stop thinking about the sleepwalking and, the, you know, her possible witch employer. And, you know, she's just super stressed out. So she goes to take a nap. Her um, friend Donna and Kim go down to the lake and play. And then she wakes up and she's still kind of, you know, just not feeling it. So she goes down there. They were playing with some little boy named Andy and he's all young or dorky. I don't know. But he throws his little toy car into the lake and he's talking about how it floats. And Myra freaks the fuck out, starts screaming and, you know, and we don't ever find out why, though, because the next the I was going to say the next episode, the next chapter picks up and now they're at school or some shit. We don't find out why she freaks out. We don't find anything more about that. They don't talk about that. No, not at all. They don't talk about it. Just that she had some kind of weird, nervous-ass breakdown. But anyway, Miss C, is how I keep writing her in my thing, Miss Collar tells her that, you know, she's going away, but she still needs Myra to come, you know, watch Hazel the cat, water the plants, check the mail. Well, Myra is happy as a damn clam here because she is about done with this witch. She full on thinks that Miss Cotler is a witch. Full on thinks that she is being. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> it's getting late. It's been a long week, y'all. It's almost spring break. She full on thinks that Miss Cotler is a witch. She full on thinks that Miss Cotler has some kind of curse put on her. The sleepwalking, you know. So she is ready for this old woman to get the hell out. Miss Cotler's um, uh, brother-in-law is going to come get her because her sister is not doing so well. So, on the way home, though, she gets home. Mm -hmm. Come to find out, Donna, who borrowed her mom's car to go to an orthodontist appointment in Waynesbridge, you know, the neighboring town that we keep hearing about, Donna has been in a bad accident. Now, I kind of forgot to tell you this. Sorry, shit, whatever. But Donna, like I said, was using Myra's mom's car. So, you know, immediately Myra thinks, oh, my God, whatever happened to Donna was meant to happen to me. So she calls Donna up. Donna's got a broken leg, broken wrist. Someone tried to run her ass off the road, smashed into her and caused the accident. Myra fully thinks it was meant to be her. Right. And then she's like, well, who was it? What do you remember? Well, Donna's like, well, it was a red truck. Guess who's got a red truck? You're wrong if you're thinking Miss Cotler. That bitch can't drive probably. But you're right if you're thinking Link. Mm-hmm. So Myra's thinking, oh, shit. My ex-boyfriend, he's mad at me. I've been blowing him off. I broke up with him. And now he's trying to kill me. But because my best friend was driving my mom's car, he almost killed my best friend. So she tells Donna about this witch theory. Okay? And Donna's like, mm, I don't know. You might be kind of crazy. And plus, I'm strung out on pain meds and I got a broken leg. Bitch, can't we talk about me for a minute? And Myra's like, no, I, I'm freaked out. Well, Walker comes over that night. He believes her witch theory because he's all into the occult, remember? And so he agrees to go with her to Miss Cotler's house and look around and see if they can find out proof. Well, they go in and Snoopy, because I told you now, remember I told you at the beginning, I told you. 
Myra was a snoopy bitch. So they go here. And I have to admit, though, if I were Myra and Miss Cotler were my employer and she was gone, I would also probably snoop around the house because like Myra, I'm a snoopy bitch. But you know, whatever, you know, call a spade a spade, a snoopy bitch, a snoopy bitch. So they go looking around, they go into her library and there's all these books on witchcraft and there's all these books on sleepwalking. That's right. You know what else they find? They find a picture of Stephanie and Link. Mm-hmm. Saying, we love you, Aunt Lucy. Uh, what? Mic drop. Cue the dramatic music, because apparently, old Miss Cotler is Stephanie and Link's aunt. Sorry, I can't check your call history on Apple Watch. God damn it, Siri. If it ain't on the phone, you're bugging me. You're on my watch begging me. Oh, I tell you. Y'all heard? I didn't say nothing. I'm being watched by Big Brother. Anyhow, where was I? I got all distracted and discombobulated now. Oh, so they got the they got the photos. She's got the photos. So now she never remember that. So she goes and tells Donna all this because she tells Donna everything. Donna's such a good friend. I mean, here Donna, poor girl, has been in a wreck. She's got a broken leg, a broken wrist, and some bruised ribs. And all she does is listen to Myra go on and on about what, who may or may not be a witch, who may or may not put a curse on her. Never does Myra ask her how she's doing, about how her damn leg is doing. <sighs> damn it, Myra. I'm telling you, selfish. Anyway, so she goes, <laughs> she decides to go see Stephanie to talk about her because remember, Stephanie is like the quote unquote expert in the occult. So she goes, there's no one in. She sneaks in. And there she sees, because again, what I tell you, say it with me now, Snoopy bitch. She sees, now who who in their right mind is gonna be like, I'm coming to see so-and-so. Nobody's answering the door. I'll just walk right on in. Yeah, okay, they're, I mean, yeah, maybe they were friends, but they're not friends lately because you broke up with her brother. Y'all already had a falling out. She's already confronted you. She stole your damn scarf. Get don't, don't walk into her damn house, but whatever, Myra's going to do what Myra wants to do. Myra's going to do what she wants to do. So she goes in and goes upstairs to Stephanie's room where she sees Stephanie sitting around a circle with some items in the middle. And we got some candles and she's doing some weird ass chant. And you know what's wrapped around that bitch's head? Her scarf, Myra's scarf that she stole. So Myra freaks out. Well, before she can leave, because she shouldn't even be in there anyway, because she basically breaking and entering. You know, and everybody seems to be breaking and entering the shady side. I guess nobody locks their damn doors. Does that happen? I guess in the 90s and what appears to be, you know, generic Midwest, nobody locked their doors, which you think people would lock their doors. This is shady side. People are disappearing. There's monsters. There's witches. There's mental patients. People die left and right, but nobody locks their damn doors. Seems like you're asking for it to me, but you know, I ain't going to say it. Anyway, so she confronts her. They get into kind of an argument. And Stephanie says, you know what? I thought you were here because you wanted to see Link to apologize finally because Walker dropped you for Suki. <gasps> what? Yeah, uh-huh. See, apparently Myra was not the only person that saw Suki and Walker holding hands at the pizza place in the mall. My God, that sounds so juvenile. But it's true. That was the 90s. That's how it was. So she's like, what? So they kind of argue, and then they get to this weird point that I really don't know how they got here. But Myra apologizes for barging in, and Stephanie kind of apologizes for really nothing, I guess. And as she's leaving, she runs into Link, and there's his red truck, and she looks, 
there's no dent in it. Well, now she feels like a bitch because here she was thinking that Link was trying to kill her and accidentally ran Don off the road. Nope, not the case. Not the case. Not the case. So now she's home again. We've got another dream, y'all. This time, get this, there's some crazy shit here. Now this is gonna be, this is gonna be, you know, we're at a turning point here. So she's here, she's walking on water like Jesus because she's got that Jesus complex and she feels somebody watching her on the shore. This time though, she's in the dream long enough to turn around and see, guess who's watching her? It's Walker. And then suddenly she's falling in the water and drowning. She wakes up. She is really in the goddamn lake, drowning. So she's grasping, luckily some random man doing God knows what in the middle of the night on the Fear Lake. I don't ask questions. I don't know, he's probably dropping off a body or something. It didn't say, but inferencing, he's dropping off a body. He sees her, rescues her. Well, next day her mom is like, girl, you're gonna go see this Dr. Stern, the shrink that she's been telling her about. So she gets her an appointment, she goes, She's wandering around the hospital trying to find Dr. Stern's office. And who does she see? Cal, big neck, stranger McStranger. Mm-hmm. And where is he? Sitting by a door marked psychiatric. So immediately, Myra and her, you know, sleep-deprived brain, because I, I do have to cut the bitch some slack here because she has not been sleeping well. She's had all these nightmares. She's sleepwalking. She's not sleeping well. Once again, Tie back to my girl, Nancy, holla Nancy, pour some out for you, homie, in fear in Nightmare on Elm Street. So she immediately thinks that Cal is a mental patient. He sees her, she runs from him, he's following her. Some nurses grab him though, and luckily she makes it to, oh shit, I dropped my book. Luckily she makes it to Dr. Stern's office. So she's telling Dr. Stern about everything that's going on and sleepwalking and all this. And he's all like, it's your subconscious is trying to work through some stuff. He prescribes her some, what he calls non-addictive sleep medicine. I'm pretty sure that Myra's about to get hooked on Oxy, but we don't get into that too much. But so he gives her this prescription. She tells Donna everything. And she's like, look, Donna, I, I, I need to go to the lake. I keep dreaming about the lake. Maybe if I go there and sit and think about it, I'll kind of realize what's going on. You know, maybe the maybe the, the psychiatrist has this has, you know, a point. Maybe I'm trying to get through something. Maybe I'm trying to work through something. So she goes to the lake, going through the Fear Street Woods by her damn self, because why not? Why? Why not? So she goes there. She goes to sit down on the dock, put her feet in the water and relax as one does when they're trying to come to terms with their nightmares and sleepwalking. And who is there but Link? She feels uncomfortable. He's acting weird. She lies and says, oh, well, Walker's supposed to meet me. And then he's all like, I miss you. I love you. And he goes to grab her. He's like, we need to talk. And she falls into the water. And then we get to the end of the chapter where everything comes back to her. So she freaks out in the water again, comes out, asks him to take her home. Yeah, she has, that's how... That's how flippy floppy she is. A minute ago, she was all like, get the hell away from me, Link. Now she's all like, can you take me home? Girl, talk about mixed signals. I mean, I don't want to, you know, I just, come on now, girl. You got, you got to, you got to take it down a notch. But so she goes home and the shock of the water has brought everything back. So she lays down in her bed to think. And here's where we get the backstory. Y'all. Hold on to your britches. Because here's what happens. She thinks back. Think back to the beginning of summer. 
If you ever watched um, vintage, uh, what is it called? Saturday Night Live, that was Wayne and Garth. If not, if you're too young, I don't know, go to YouTube and look it up, but now I feel old. But so she thinks back to the early days with her and Walker on their third and fourth date. They were at the mall and they go to leave the mall. He seems in this weird mood. They get in this car that he says is his mom's. And as they're driving around, turns out it's not his mom's. He just randomly steals a car because again, I guess like their houses, nobody in Fear Street locks their damn car and they leave the keys in the ignition. I mean, really? Whatever though, whatever. They get in the car, he's driving fast, they get into an accident, hit a car, knock this other damn car off the cliff because they're driving up by River Ridge, you know, where the where the all the teenagers go, the lover's lane, so to speak. And Myra freaks out, gets and goes and looks over the cliff. She sees the car sinking into the water. But luckily, up comes this man. He swims up and he's signaling to her. But Walker grabs her, puts her in the car and leaves and says, we've got to leave. Okay. So now she wakes up from her little, her little remembering. She knows what's going on. She's put two and two and two and two and two and two together and the bitch can't add, but she thinks she knows what's going on. So she calls Walker and she says, let's meet. So it's so the next evening they meet, they go down to the lake and she asks him, she's like, I need you to hypnotize me. You're good at all this. I think it'll just calm me down. I'm super stressed about all this, you know, because I can't get some sleep. My employer's a witch. I've been cursed because she doesn't like my mom. Okay. So hypnotize me. So he starts and she's getting hypnotized. And then he starts to talk about, you're getting sleepy, you know, you know, TikTok picture, the little clock going on a little clock, you know, like the little watch going back and forth. And he says, you know, you will continue to forget what happened last uh, summer or what, oh, what happened last summer? <laughs> I know what you did last summer. Oh, that's a good movie. I love Sarah Michelle Geller. Welcome to my brain. That's another tangent. Anywho. So he's all like, you will forget what happened when at the car rack, you know, well, she's pretending she comes to him and she says, this is a trap. I know what you're done. What happened? You've hypnotized me. You're you, what, what I'm going to the police. And he's like, look, We've got to come down. Only one person died. Only one person died. Come on, Walker. Insensitive much? Only one person died. Apparently after the wreck, he hypnotized her to make her forget it all because, you know, you know, he didn't want to get, you know, sent to juvie or prison for vehicular manslaughter or whatever it was called. So she's going to go to the police. Okay. But he throws her in the water and tries to drown her. Who should come but the cat Hazel? She jumps onto his neck, his face, starts clawing his face, his neck and everything, which gives Myra enough time to jump out of the lake and run back to Miss um, Cotler's house and call 911. There Walker comes, he's bleeding. They get into a scuffle, a kerfuffle one might think, and she grabs a cleaver, a cleaver y'all, not a butcher knife, not a thing. bitch grabs a cleaver. So she means business because if you have a cleaver, all bets are off. I mean, shit is real if you got a cleaver. So she grabs a cleaver and then they struggle. She goes to run and she goes to run out and open the door. Who's there? It's Cal. She freaks the hell out. It's Cal, Mr. Big Neck. Well, he pushes past her, goes to Walker, confronts him, says that he killed his brother. Apparently, yeah, y'all, Cal was the other dude in the car that was signaling for help. 
and his brother died in that accident. He was the other only one guy that died. Then the police arrived, okay? And all the story comes out about how this all happened and yada, yada, yada. And Cal apologizes because he didn't mean to cause an accident with Donnie. He was trying to get in touch with her. What he wanted to do was he knew that Myra was innocent and he was trying to talk to her to see if they could get his, get, um, what's his face? Link, not Link, Walker to go to the... Sorry, I couldn't hear what you said. Because I wasn't talking to you, damn it. God. That's twice in one episode, y'all. Y'all see what's happening here, right? If I disappear, I don't. Somebody, you, you're gonna have to ask Siri to find me because some shit's going on. I be, I'm being watched. But so he tells her, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. It was an accident. All is fine. They tell the police what's going on. Now we're at the last chapter. One week later, all's happy. You know, rainbow, sun shining. She's with Link. He apologized for being a creep. He's just not over her. And she's all like, it's okay. I thought you were trying to kill me, but you weren't. So it's going to be totally fine. I love you so much. You know, he says that the reason they're in, so he and his sister Stephanie are so into the occult and all this stuff is because his aunt, Lucy, Mrs. Um, Kotler, has a PhD in occult studies. And, you know, that's why. So they go to see her to pick up her last paycheck and she gives her the beads that she's restrung for her necklace and all is happy. But it ends with Myra going, but there's one thing I don't understand. How did Hazel the cat get to the lake so fast to save me? And then back to the house so fast. <gasps> and that's how it ends. So I love that because it's this weird end because you think it's all taken care of, but then it does, you know, he throws this at you and you're like, well, maybe there was some, maybe, maybe that bitch was a witch. Maybe Miss Cutler was a witch, y'all. Maybe she was. Maybe that cat did go and save her because the cat is really a witch's cat. So I really like that. That right there gets a star, y'all. That right there gets a star. I, I'm sorry, I can't help it. Which brings me to the ratings. I gave it five because I thought I loved this one because it was that ending, like I told you. And I love the fact that she was um, hypnotized because I love a good unreliable narrator. And Myra is unreliable. She, bitch don't know what's going on. Okay. I love an unreliable narrator. So I gave it five stars. I like this one. I like the little bit of a twist that it was, she was hypnotized. I like the supernatural vibes that you got. You don't really know. It's ambiguous ending. Love it. Goodreads gives it a 3.64. Okay. Um, I did like this, even though y'all, I know you were counting. This is, we got no deaths here. We have no deaths. <sighs> oh, well, I mean, Cal's brother died. I understand that, but that was pre-book. So we can't count him. I'll make note of him because pour some out for you, homie Cal's brother, that we don't even know your name because you're not that important. You died, but you don't get counted. Okay. And I have categorized this one under the fear. This is our first supernatural book. And y'all, I'm telling you it's supernatural because somebody was a witch in this book. It was either Stephanie or is it either Miss Cotler or that damn cat Hazel was some kind of witch trapped in the cat's body. I don't know, but I loved it. But you know, the reason you tuned in though was to find out who the queer is. And I'm going to tell you after a lot of, of, of reading and thinking, I have come to the conclusion that I think the queer was Stephanie. 
I really think she was. She gave me very witchy, very lesbian, very queer vibes. And I'm there for it. I mean, Stephanie knew her shit. She was doing some kind of, we still don't really know what the hell she was doing. Um, what kind of weird seance or spell she was casting, you know? Um, but whatever it was, it was probably some kind of awesome lesbian spell. So our queer is Stephanie. Y'all, I love this book, The Sleepwalker. Like I said, sleepwalking is scary as shit, um, but I loved it. Next week, we're going to talk about Haunted. So I know you're excited about that one already, but I hope you enjoyed this one. Like I said, I loved it. And this has been a long ass episode, but anywho, I loved it. It was good. We got Stephanie as the queer. No dead bodies, but a five-star book. So until next week when we do Haunted... Stay queer, and I'll talk to you later. Bye.